Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. I see that so many of you are listening to the Daily Affirmations episodes, and I hope that they continue to be tools that you can use for support, encouragement, and strengthening your daily meditation practice. If you enjoy this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. But I warn you, you might fall in love with them the same way that I did. Head to their website at snakeriverroastingco.com and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I am so grateful to be at episode 15 of this podcast. And I want to reiterate something that I do my very best to weave into almost every episode. And that is that anything I say is not being shared with you from the perspective of expert or authority. Anything I share here is just my perspective in that moment, based on my own experience and education up until this point. The world is completely overflowing with self-proclaimed experts. And although I have certain degrees and training, I'm here just as a person creating spaces to talk about and process some of our common experiences. That's it. I'm not here to be a contrarian or force a point of view. All I'm really doing is asking questions of everyone and about everything and inviting you to do the same. My friend Grace has been so incredibly supportive of this podcast from the very beginning. And I always think about her and how we met and how our relationship has grown when there are moments when I get self-conscious about certain topics or critical of how I'm sharing on here. I met Grace when I was on the North Shore of Kauai, and I had just arrived, and she was one foot out the door. Our very first conversation took place in a massive field surrounded by fruit and flowers and vegetables, and we sat in the grass and talked in the rain. At that time, she was moving through a very difficult experience, and she had no idea, but so was I. And I think about how our initial interactions didn't have to be perfect or put together or even our highest selves on display. And how even in the flawed experience, it wasn't a failed experience. And I didn't know it at the time, but our interactions, even in those initial awkward moments, planted the seeds of the friendship we have today. 
which is one that I absolutely cherish. So all that to say, that's what I picture when I'm recording this podcast, that I'm just sitting in the grass, sharing my thoughts with each of you. It's that simple and that rooted in humility and curiosity. And although I have very little control over how any of my words land, I do hope that they help you to feel seen and heard and connected because I know that that was missing this year. And if we're really honest with ourselves, it might be the thing that's been missing all along. So thank you to everyone who's been listening and sharing feedback about the two previous episodes where I spoke about adult children of alcoholics, addicts, and dysfunctional families. And I do intend to make a third episode on the topic, but for my own sanity, (laughs) I decided to take a breather and a break from writing and talking about it for a week or two because that topic in particular brings so many past experiences and feelings to the surface for me. And I just thought if I'm here talking about health and balance and moderation, I have to probably practice that myself. So instead, I thought I would talk about failure, acceptance, and surrender, which are all current themes in my own life that maybe some people listening can relate to as well. And I'm not sure why I feel that this topic will be any lighter than talking about being an adult child of an alcoholic, but we will see how it goes. And hopefully one day in the near future, I will magically transform into the type of person who talks about unicorns and stuff like that. But until then, here I am leaning into the discomfort with all of you. I shared a tiny love letter on Instagram yesterday about acceptance and surrender and how often it all looks so different than what we think it will. And I wanted to open this episode with it today. There is a Tom Waits lyric that goes, I never saw the East Coast till I moved to the West. And I always liked it, but lately it's resonating more and more. As plans keep changing in our little worlds and in the world at large, we all try to find our footing, recalibrate after big losses, show up for some unexpected wins, align with identities that suit us better, or resonate with names we're more comfortable answering to. It all may not look the way we thought it would. And it's entirely possible that we know what we want and still have no idea how to get there. Sometimes it's counterintuitive actions that bring us back into right relationship with ourselves and with others. When driving a car, overcorrecting at a high speed or braking suddenly will force your car to spin out, roll over, and veer out of control. You have to turn into a slide when everything in your body is screaming to do the exact opposite. What does that look like for you right now? Where are you breaking, overcorrecting, and spinning out? Where could you find a position of neutrality and lean into the slide? Which one would serve you better? In the past, I've often said that the death of who we used to be will lead to the birth of who we are meant to be. And I've always said that and believed that, even though these little deaths can be hard to acknowledge, surrender to, or grieve. There's been a better question that's come through lately, and that is, what are you doing to distract yourself from becoming the person you want to be? And so we're going to start off by talking about failure. 
And I think questions are always a good place to begin. So I'm going to ask you some. What is your story around failure? Because we all have one. What does it look like or feel like for you in your mind, in your body? Who is the first person you witness publicly fail at something? Which person in your household failed? And what were the consequences for them and for you? How did you as a family navigate that? And what lessons were you taught around failure? Failure is such an interesting topic, and believe it or not, I actually think it really does tie into the adult children of alcoholic topic that I've been sharing about. I know that in my adult child groups, we often talk about our feelings of failure, which are almost grandiose. They're very distorted. Um, It's never, I failed at something. It is, I am a failure. And that could be anything from, I failed an exam, or I'm failing in my relationship, or something as ridiculous ridiculous and weird as my car broke down, so I am a failure. My phone broke, I am a failure. As if there was some promise or expectation that life was going to be perfect. And if there's anything less than perfection, it's not just that we've done something wrong, but that we at our core are wrong. As if bumps and detours and weird things happening aren't part of everyone's story. We begin to get a little grandiose about it and think it's just part of my story. I've done something wrong. So sometimes we need to step back from our current perspective and take in the larger view, which is pretty challenging to do, and I don't know that we're taught to do that. There's not a single one of us who knows for sure how our story ends. I know we like to exert control or think that we do, but we actually don't. We don't know what is needed from us. Sometimes we know what we want or we know what we think that we want, but we have no idea what our highest purpose is or what we can learn, what like essential lessons we can learn about ourselves, about life, about other people by not getting what we think we want. And maybe what we think of as failure is really just a letting go of who we think we're supposed to be in this world. And that topic's been coming up a lot in these last 18 months. It's been an extremely polarizing 18 months. And I don't know about you, but I have friends who lost every single thing that they've ever worked for. And I have other friends who are living the lives of their dreams right now. And it's almost a psychedelic experience where up feels down and the floor and the sky and the walls all seem to be shifting at once. You know, building a career or profession in a particular area and to have that abruptly taken from you has been such a harsh reality that many people face as a collective this year. You know, who we thought we were based on our title or how we interacted with people at work or the money we made or the direction we saw our life going in. I mean, is that who we are at our core? And so many people experience that drastic overnight shift from being, you know, I'm a person who functions in the world in this one way and all of a sudden, all of that's taken away from me. 
And it's been feeling as if it's only happening to us as individuals. Because our shame and self-loathing around the concept of failure, which isn't really spoken about in our culture, can be profoundly isolating. And I love the Instagram accounts, Humans of New York and New York Nico, precisely because they are committed to sharing these stories of people in New York who are going through these experiences and connecting people with the resources to navigate such an uncertain time. And I definitely recommend that you check out these stories because it's easy to get lost in our own little worlds. It makes a lot of sense. Our story can be so loud. And how different does our perspective become when we see other people going through it as well? And it doesn't mean that that has to be normalized, that this is our way of life from now on. We're all failing. That's not it. It's about the human experience and about witnessing people move through life on life's terms and how they do it, how they cope, and what becomes of it. Because that's not the final story. I talked about that with a friend last night of like, How does the story end? How does it begin? How do we know when something is ending? And I think it's this constant cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth, no matter what it is, whether it's our physical body or our professional lives or our relationships. They're constantly moving through these cycles. And when we let go of the idea that they have to be static or just show up in one way, we can make room for the transformation. And that brings us to the topics of acceptance and surrender. Last week in my episode, I shared the serenity prayer. And that is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And why that prayer is so powerful and why it resonates with so many people is because when I accept something, I can be present with it. There's this distorted belief that acceptance means you like something or wanted something to be this way or that you approve of it. And acceptance has nothing to do with that. Acceptance is simply calling things by their right name so that we can take appropriate actions in the present to address our needs. And the simplest way for me to process the concept of surrender is a lot less like complete defeat which is, I think, how we're taught to view it. And more like the wisdom to transfer our energy to the winning side. If we continually try to run backward to who we thought we were, to an old identity, to an old situation or relationship or character defect or way of life, we'll never be able to walk with confidence on the path in front of us and be present enough to show up as our whole selves for the life that's unfolding. Spending a lifetime looking in the rearview mirror, obsessing about who you were or what you could have had is a great way to never show up for what is right in front of you. Because no matter what anyone else tells you, everything is temporary, right? Just everything. And I think this year was a pretty poignant reminder of that. And in yoga, they discuss the practice of a parigraha, or a non-grasping, non-attachment. And I always incorporate a parigraha when I lead yin yoga classes. Because when we physically embody the practice of letting go, like 
unclenching our muscles, removing our hands from a situation, just like bringing freedom into the body, our mind will follow. And when we practice this in our lives on a regular basis, we develop muscle memory that we can tap into in crisis moments when something's being taken away from us or we're losing a relationship or a situation is coming to an end. And again, no one teaches us how to do that. Very often we're taught how to fight. And that's a great skill and it's very important and it has its time and place. But who taught you about surrender? Surrendering with character or surrendering with grace or allowing things to move the way they need to move without forcing them. Kintsugi is the Japanese word for golden joinery. And it's also known as kintsukuroi, or golden repair. And this is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. And it's more than just an art form, it's actually a philosophy because it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. And as a philosophy, kintsugi is similar to the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi, which is an embracing of the flaws and the imperfections, which is very different than what we see in our culture today. Because this can be seen as a rationale for keeping an object around even after it's broken, and as a justification of kintsugi itself by highlighting the cracks and the repairs as simply an event in the life cycle of an object, rather than allowing its service to end at the time of its damage or breakage. So we're going deep here. (laughs) So just think about that in your own life and what that would look like or feel like. And Christy Bartlett wrote in Flickwork, The Aesthetics of Mended Japanese Ceramics, that not only is there no attempt to hide the damage, but the repair is literally illuminated, a kind of physical expression of the spirit of Mushin. Mushin is often literally translated as no mind, but carries connotations of fully existing within the moment of non-attachment of equanimity amid changing conditions. The vicissitudes of existence over time to which all humans are susceptible could not be clearer than in the breaks, the knocks, and the shattering to which ceramic wear too is subject. This poignancy or aesthetic of existence has been known in Japan as mono no aware, a compassionate sensitivity or perhaps identification with things outside oneself. Take a moment to close your eyes and visualize yourself in the moments of your life that really broke you. Moments when things happened to you, or you made a profound mistake, or a relationship was destroyed, and you thought you could never be okay again. There was no longer any place to hold you in all of your brokenness. And sit with it for a few breaths. Now imagine that it is your very brokenness which comes back together to build a different version of you, one that you never anticipated, that is bonded in the place of the former brokenness. 
And I think that that's what the practice of Kintsukuroi or Kintsugi brings to us. Just an awareness that maybe the story we're told about the experiences that we have in life, maybe those stories just aren't true. And maybe if we practiced more by focusing on the integration of these things rather than the rejection of them, we can make something beautiful with them. Now, I may edit this next part out, or I may just show up as my whole self and be okay with it. I'll figure it out as I edit. But here goes. I had a deeply traumatic and life-altering experience in my life at the age of 23. And at the time, and for almost a decade after, I thought I would never be okay again. I thought for sure that I would never be whole or normal or connected or feel safe ever again. I felt as if I had been pushed and dragged against my will across some invisible line that I never knew was there until I was in the actual moment and things were happening to me that people don't survive. And I remember a kind of hazy knowing in the moment that became very clear once I was on the other side of it. And it was that I'd never be able to be even a fragment of who I had been before that night. I felt completely unrecognizable in my body, mind, and spirit, even to myself. And it was excruciating to walk around in broken pieces while holding a thousand pound mask on my face that would convince everyone I was okay so that I never had to think about it or talk about what happened to me with anyone else. And I remember thinking, what will become of me? How do I walk through the rest of my life like this? How will anyone be able to come near me again? Because I'm in shards. I am in pain and I am painful to be around. And almost 20 years have passed since that time. And I know now that so much of who I am and how I've shown up in the world, and what has been channeled through me is a direct result of experiences like that one. And that's not the same as someone cheerfully saying, everything happens for a reason during the most inappropriate moments of our lives. It's simply me recognizing and honoring not only the power and impact of that trauma, but the power of myself in this world that we're a part of. The power to rebuild and repair and regenerate and be something stronger and far more complex and nuanced and perceptive and resonant than I could have ever imagined or wanted to be. And I think about who I was the night of that trauma. What if nothing had happened and life just kept flowing uninterrupted by it? 
What if I had not been catapulted into a constant state of fight or flight? What if I never had to actively pursue healing and become so committed to mending these parts of myself that I learned how to work with others to do the same? What if I'd never learned the secret that I keep what I have by giving it away? Because there's nothing more healing than helping someone else who's been through a similar situation and we're both being repaired at the same time. How many lives and stories and connections would I never have crossed paths with? How much less about myself would I know? What would I know about God or grace, forgiveness or rebirth? What would I know about anything? I personally struggled with acceptance and surrender around my own traumatic experience for a very long time. And as bizarre as it sounds, I felt like a failure because something bad had happened to me and it didn't happen to anyone else. It happened to me. And if you've ever struggled with a diagnosis or a traumatic situation or survived something like what I went through, then perhaps you know what I'm speaking about when I say that there's an element of shock and maybe even shame as you wade through these murky waters wondering, did I deserve this? Did I cause this? Am I a bad person? I've had friends and former partners and even colleagues who are unaware of my own experience with trauma, and they would just casually share things like, bad things happen to bad people, or point a finger at someone else. And look at their failure and say, oh, that's that person's karma. And we internalize these messages around failure, even when they are associated with things that are completely out of our control. My traumatic experience was completely out of my control. And I couldn't accept that for so long. And I worked with many patients at the Cancer Support Center who shared that it was a struggle to connect with friends and family members once they were diagnosed because it felt as if someone was always scanning them or looking for a reason why they were sick and someone else was not. Almost virtue testing as a way to set themselves apart from a brutal life experience that anyone, any of us, at any time can face. That kind of response is a way to isolate ourselves from an invitation into presence. Because how differently would the entire world work if when someone came to us in pain or fear or a moment of shame, we could honestly meet them where they are without our own fears and insecurities about these things? In my own experience, Acceptance and surrender meant I stopped perseverating on the past. What led up to my traumatic experience? What I could have done differently afterward? And simply how I could have been better? Because I was very stuck on that. I was brutalizing myself in this way as a method of assuming control over an out-of-control situation. So I stayed in a loop going over it, over it, 
over it again and again and again, trying to make sense of it and why it happened to me. As if someday I would miraculously crack the code as to why I was singled out. And the next thing I did was I stopped renegotiating the past or bargaining with time and space because not only was it not helpful, but it took away my power and effectiveness in the present. When I stopped focusing on what could have been, I was able to take an honest inventory of what was, what had actually happened, what I could do right now, and what possibilities were ahead of me. And in that time immediately following a traumatic event, you're just, you're in fight or flight, your blinders are on. It's, you can't imagine that things are going to be okay. And this was a way that I was able to do that. Sometimes I think of that 23-year-old that I once was and what her life could have been. I've often wondered if we would have anything in common, (laughs) anything to talk about, if we were to meet each other today. And when I'm in a shame spiral, it can feel as if there is a universe between us, as if we would just be light years apart. In other days, when I can truly show up for the reality of who I am today, I know that I would be the person that she would come to with all of her questions, her hurt feelings, her insecurities, the fears, losses, grief, joy and excitement about an out-of-this-world opportunity that she's not quite sure she's ready for yet, and she needs someone to remind her of who she is. Because that's my gold that binds together all of my broken pieces. That's who I am in the world today, whether that's with close friends or strangers. I mean, you should see what happens to me in a supermarket. I can't even go over to the vegetables without someone coming up to me and like having an emotional experience. And that is a version of me that I never saw coming. So instead of shaking my head and searching for the version of me that I could have been, I want to keep my arms and my energy open to receive the person I am today. Nadia Boltz Weber is a Lutheran pastor and a three times New York Times bestselling author and also my former summer camp counselor. And I love any opportunity to share her words because they've helped me through so much, and I love sharing that with other people. Here's a beautiful quote from one of her sermons when she was the pastor of House for All Sinners and Saints in Denver, Colorado. She said, Let me tell you about this God, a God who has always used imperfect people, a God who slipped into skin and walked among us full of grace and truth with sand between his toes who ate with all the wrong people and kissed lepers and touched the unclean and spoke through thirsty women and hungry men. This is a God who rose from the dead and grilled fish on the beach and ascended into heaven and is especially present to us in the most offensively ordinary things, wheat, wine, water, word. This God will use all of you and not just your strengths, but your failures and failings and your brokenness. And God's strength is perfected in human weakness. So your brokenness is fertile ground for a forgiving God to make something new, something beautiful. So don't ever think that all you have to offer is your gifts, because 
God is going to use you too. God is going to use all of you. I can unpack that quote of hers for days because it is rich with lessons and applies to so many areas of our lives. And I know that many people don't resonate with Christianity, and I completely understand that. Organized religion has caused and continues to cause a lot of harm. But I don't believe that God or spirit or the universe or the kindness and grace between living beings has to have anything to do with a specific religion in order to carry messages of depth and weight. Personally, I tend to resonate less with the messengers and more with the message. So I hope that no matter where you are today in your relationship with spirituality, religion, or higher power, that you can relate to the message that there is nothing about you that is too far gone or hopeless or not of use to the world around you. I have no idea what messages or actions are needed to move through me or how my bad timing or a failure on my part contributes to someone else's life in a positive way that I can't quite see yet because my vision is not necessary for the mission to be carried out. And when I read that today, I thought about all the failures in my own life. And I say that sentence with the word failures in quotes because I think about the things, the situations, the actions and relationships that I deem to be failures because they did not get me from point A to point Z in a direct line with clear results with me looking like a beauty queen through all of it. And so it seems like a failure. But not getting what we want or falling short of our own potential capacity or expectations can be called failure while also merely being a part of our journey. What if we had gotten everything we wanted? What if that position we were offered, you know, our dream job, the one with the perks and the paycheck and the title, what if that worked out for us? What would become of us? It's that same question I asked when I had experienced a trauma. What would become of me? What would we morph into if we got everything we thought we wanted? And how do we know that it would have been what we wanted in the long run? How do we know that it would have placed us in a position of optimal usefulness to others? And that's not to dismiss any of the pain or shame or feelings of fear that rise to the surface when we experience a loss. But it's a way to offer a new pair of glasses through which to view everything we think we know about our lives and to add a little space and a little breath to the stressful feelings that come up. We have no idea why we are here. We have no idea what is needed of us. We have no idea how our transformation changes our lives or the lives of the people around us. And when some aspect of our life withers, dies, or comes to an end, we have no idea what is about to be reborn through us or how long that's going to take. When I close my eyes and I dream about the life that I want, I see endless lush green gardens, like fields and vines and trees and plants. And in my dream, everything is blooming with ethereal perfection. All is fruit, 
nothing is seed. And when I think about my own story, I recall that how much time was spent on the outskirts of perfection. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that would be the, the line to describe my life, the outskirts of perfection, and how my frequent inability to just sit and witness my process without critique has kept me from recognizing my own growth or freely receiving you know, the alchemizing love that flows toward me from so many directions. Most of all, it's cut me off from the source and the grace that is always accessible to me. And as I say that, I wonder if you've experienced the same thing. Are you critiquing yourself away from acceptance and surrender and recognizing the entirety of your journey? I want this next year to be expansive for all of us and to participate in that process instead of critiquing it. And perhaps I need to incorporate all stages of my growth in my dream. I've only been dreaming about the results. Now, I want to dream about the process. While living on Kauai, a woman I spoke with reminded me that our lives go through stages similar to the fields where we grow our food. Some fields are ready to be harvested. Some are growing into maturation. Some are just sprouting. Some have cover crops to repair the soil. And others are just fallow fields. So instead of rejecting and judging the areas of my life that are currently fallow fields, perhaps I can take a step back and appreciate that it's just one much-needed chapter in the greater story of my life. If I want the expansive abundance, I also have to make space for and accept the stillness and the opportunity of the untouched field. There's a short poem from Rumi that I love, and I feel that it really speaks to this topic. And it goes like this. I died from minerality and became vegetable. And from vegetativeness, I died and became animal. I died from animality and became man. Then why fear disappearance through death? Next time I shall die, bringing forth wings and feathers like angels. After that, soaring higher than angels what you cannot imagine. I shall be that. And the name of this podcast is Love Letters and Mixtapes. And the inspiration for that was a desire to write, share, and talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. If I was going to write a love letter to my younger self about failure, surrender, and acceptance, it would probably go something like this. You are incredibly tough on yourself, especially when you obsess over the fact that you can't make everything happen for yourself all the time and all at once and make it all last forever. It's okay if your life unfolds in chapters. You have to set some things to the side every now and then, and it doesn't mean you failed. It just means not right now. These compounding delays, speed bumps, and detours have chipped away at your hope, because lately you're noticing how easy it is to assume that nothing could possibly turn out okay. Every phone call, every email, every news story has you bracing for impact. And it's often said that drunk passengers are the ones who are harmed the least during car accidents because they're soft and sleepy and relaxed, while the sober driver clenches their muscles and braces for impact. I'm sure you don't believe yourself to be the driver of anyone's life, including your own, 
and you probably have no desire to live life as a drunk passenger. So maybe it's time to find a middle way. Maybe wear it all like a loose garment, as they say. Because each experience is an opportunity to show up and do the next right thing, which is simple but not easy. And as we continue to trudge through this hell dimension of apocalyptic uncertainty, it's probably okay that plans are coming together and falling apart in equal measure. Bullying yourself over things that are completely out of your control has never gotten you anywhere, even close to the place where unconditionally loving and appreciating yourself would. Dan used to say that if we'd gotten every single thing that we'd ever wanted the exact way we wanted it and according to our schedule, that we would have sold ourselves short by miles. And I'm thinking about that today on day 4,971 of things not unfolding according to plan. Until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account. And join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio.